This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Will, this episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by ShipStation. I'm glad that you know that, Charlie, because you had to lean so far away from your phone from which you're reading this information that you are literally in another room of my house. I'm going to use ShipStation to order myself some glasses. I think you should, my friend, because the light is not great in here. We are doing a little sort of mood lighting podcasting, but you need longer arms or glasses would be my suggestion. And now on with the show. (laughs) The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. What's with the mustache? Uh, I had a beard and then I was uh, shaving the beard and I was like, you know what? I've done a bit of a Photoshop um, for Osher Ginsberg and I, our new upcoming podcast, Dad, Dad Pod, Pod, coming soon. Not sure when, I think it's next week. Um, and Reed Parker. Much like having a baby, the <laughs> date that it's actually going to be delivered is a bit of a mystery. That's We've got right. a zone in which in which the painful birth of this podcast will come out, but we can't lock down a date. Uh, Reed Parker, I, I sent him a because uh, we had to come up with a, some artwork so we could put it on. Very disappointed he didn't call his kid Reed Parker Junior. By the way, oh my god, missed opportunity. That would have been thought. perfect. <laughs> And when the kid came out and it was like, <laughs> Daddy, I think there's a ghost. You aren't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> uh, I sent Reid a poster of the three men and a baby thing. It's actually, yep. it was interesting because I sent him that poster and I was like, hey man, like we have to come up with some artwork quickly. I think this could be a funny thing. Can you erase, sorry, Steve Gutenberg, but could you erase Steve Gutenberg? Oh, and- much like his career has been erased from popular entertainment. <laughs> it is. It's like- he was once the leading man in that franchise, Steve Gutenberg. It's like the photo in Back to the Future where they get erased from existence. Like Gutenberg has just been erased. Is existence. there a chance that's what happened to Gutenberg? Has Gutenberg... Someone went back in time and stopped his parents because from getting Because it is together. like he's been erased. Is there a chance a time traveller has gone back in time and slept with Steve Gutenberg's mum and he's never, been, uh, he's never been born? Well, I think the Simpsons said it best when, in the, uh, when they did their... Uh, what's the... The... Uh, Shriners, no, what are they called? The... You know, uh, I, I do know exactly the what Masons, you mean. The Masons. They're spoof yeah. of the Masons. Yeah. And they had the line, who made Steve Gutenberg a star? <laughs> We do, do, we do. Because yep. there was a brief shining moment, Police Academy, Three Men and a Baby, Cocoon, where he was kind of like, he was the Paul Rudd of the 80s, would you say? Absolutely, I would say that. That's a perfect analogy. He yeah. was likable. Inoffensive. He was in everything. Yeah. He was like one of those great people to have in a movie where there was heaps of other kind of more out there funny people that needed a bit of an anchor. Yeah. Steve he, Gutenberg was the anchor and Paul Rudd is the anchor. The stone He's cutters, the white the stone bread cutters, in, in which you... Stone, yeah, stone cutters. Stone cutters. It, yeah. Sorry, that was going to bother me for the entire <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> Where's Briggs when you need him? He would have known that straight away. He would have had a meme whipped up in two seconds flat. Yeah, Steve Gutenberg is the white bread in which you put your tasty, spicy sausage and tomato sauce. You yeah, need exactly. That. You need the bread for the tasty sausage. Yeah, well, otherwise you just have a tasty sausage and it's hard to handle. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it was cooked in an underwater barbecue, which is a joke from an ad we recorded for another for a podcast. podcast. <laughs> so if you want to get it, you've got to listen to everything we put out. That's That's if there are Tofop completists who listen to philosophy, who listen to Fofop, who listen to uh, That's Awesome, who listen to Two guys, Dad Bod. Oh, to, yeah, Dad Pod, not Dad, Dad Pod. Bod. Dad Pod. <laughs> I'm gonna but you are getting the life. pun. Well done. Yeah. Oh! oh! <laughs> I like the idea that there's somebody at home who's kind of got one of those end of a serial killer movie basements yeah. that just has like Red between all the different episodes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so when we when we erased Steve Gutenberg, I sent it to Reed. I gave Reed carte blanche. I looked at Ted Danson's hair and yeah. I was like, that looks identical to Osh's hair. So that seems like the obvious replacement. Yeah. And I guess you can make me Tom Selleck. And when uh, Reed's artwork came back within seconds, by the way, like... He's like, weirdly in, enough, I already had this one prepared. <laughs> in a world where we're going to be run by deep fakes, Reed Parker is perfectly positioned to dominate. He's probably he's the only person who wants deep fake technology to come in quicker. Yeah. It opens up a whole new world for him. He can just deep fake his son's birth certificate. Yeah, he's like Reed Parker Jr. It's always been Reed Parker Jr. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Bring in a ghost. He ain't afraid. Um, but so he swapped my face for Selleck and, and obviously Osha's face for Ted Danson. And so the first thing is that Ted Danson hair, his hair perfectly matches Osher to the point where you wouldn't even know that it was not his hair. To the point where if I was Osher's barber, I would be looking at a picture of that and then styling Osher's hair like Ted Danson's hair. From now on, which I think, to be fair, is not Ted Danson's hair. Like, he's bald, right? Was he always bald, though? Yeah, I seem to remember... I mean, born bald, maybe, but I, no, yeah, I imagine in, he had hair at some stage. I think what he has is party at the front. No, what's, where's the party? When you got hair at the front. <laughs> the party's at the front and... Well, if you have a mullet... You oh, have. Okay. I've got the party. Business at the front, and you have party at the back. So, what is it if you have hair at the front and bald spot at the well, back? Well, you have party at the party no, at the front, a, and then no business at the front. Hang on, no, he's got business at the front, and then just a sad, depressed, <laughs> closed down. Oh, he has party at the front, and he has a closed down business at the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He has an abandoned, building. an abandoned office. At the back. Because I seem to remember watching uh, when Cheers did their last episode or an anniversary episode, maybe it's like 300s or something like that. And they did this one hour behind the scenes special. And I remember as a kid, because I love Cheers, but being horrified seeing Ted Danson getting ready and Sam Malone, studly Sam Malone, Red Sox uh, baseballer Sam Malone in the makeup chair, putting a spray can on his bald spot in the back of his head. But that also seems to me exactly what Sam Malone would have done. You know what I mean? Ex, like, you know, professional baseballer, owns a bar, kind of caught up in the idea that he was always going to be useful and like, was Sam yeah, this kind fame, of stud though? Was guy. that the defining characteristic of Sam Malone? Well, I mean, I'm not sure. He was cocky. Yeah. But I think that if he was going bald, he'd spray on some hair. In fact, he'd have a spray on hair endorsement almost. Yeah. Yeah, what was his story, right? Sam Malone was a star baseballer who then did his shoulder or something and then had to open the bar, yeah. right? But that was the thing. He could have been great, but now he's sort of leading 
this band of misfits in, in the Cheers bar. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So does that mean he's a guy, is he, yeah, he's vain. And he was a Lothario. He was known as a ladies man. Ladies and man. They, yeah, you're right. And you know, that professional sports person, professional sports people hate losing their hair. Yeah. I think there's a real getting teased in the sort of dressing room sort of thing. But Well, like, isn't there an AFL footballer who probably we shouldn't talk about? <laughs> because we know probably no people are knowing. But if you bring up his bald spot or yeah. when he used to have a bald spot because it's mysteriously gone now, yeah. he would get very, very he... sensitive. He is a. I've always had it. I've always had hair, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that is the Mandela effect that you ever remember me having a bald patch. And if you bring it up, like I've seen grown men, like big, tall, you know, six foot six men, cower at the idea that you would mention in front of this specific AFL footballer that he was at some stage bald. It's. Have you ever? Because your brother's bald, right? Yes. So have you ever? Big beard. He's got the classic. And is your dad bald? Yeah, well, now, but right. like, no, my brother went much younger than my dad did. And will you go bald? I, well, at the rate, not at, at the moment. At the moment, no. No, you've got a no, no. I've got hairline. my hair grows. I get my hair cut every two weeks. Oh my god! Yeah, it grows at quite a <laughs> rapid rate. But I did I, you like I, run over a gypsy or something like that? Even cursed? That doesn't. This sounds like around the episode of Round the Twist. I'm pretty sure the kid whose hair didn't stop growing. Isn't this the peanut butter experiment or something? <laughs> well, the thing about that is that I have never been able to grow a beard. Oh. So top of my head, absolutely fantastic. Not a fucking problem. Will not stop growing. But bottom of my head. Like, cannot grow. I've never grown, like, a, what you would consider to be a proper beard. Mm. Like, and to, for me to grow what, the moustache that you have right now, like, that to me would be a six-month project. Right, For yeah. me to finally get it to the point where it looked like that. And then I have shaved, like like you've done, yeah. I've shaved a moustache at some stage. I have you. And I look like I'm either flying jet planes in the war... <laughs> <laughs> or You're I never... played cricket for Australia around the same era. That is exactly what my face looks like with a moustache. Yeah, well, I uh, I saw my face on Tom Selleck's body, and then I was like, I had a bit of time, I was like, I'm going to just see what happens if I do the Magnum PI thing. And I shaved it, and I quite like it. And I think maybe because I'm in that, I'm in sort of like dad category now, it's like, yeah. oh, I can probably get away with a mo. I mean, it's. I'm a dad. Of, better get a mustache. Yeah. Well, my dad had a mustache. My dad uh, was a mo guy. You know what? My dad had a mustache, and I'll have a mustache. And if I have a bloody son, that son's going to have a mustache. I mean, suffice to say, Gemma is not a fan. Like, she keeps saying it's impossible <laughs> to take me seriously. Like, there's been a few times in the last week where I've been, you know, talking about something serious, and she just shakes her head and's like, I cannot take you seriously with that mustache. <laughs> so that's brave. Because, like, you know, you've just had a child with this woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've just literally created a human life, you know, as a bond of your love and a result of your love. And your immediate first reaction is to style yourself in a way that you can no longer be taken seriously by her. Well, I feel like in a relationship... What would your well, therapist say about that? <laughs> I think you need to constantly test boundaries. I think that... Do you? Well, I... Uh, I like styling my beard. I mean, I, my, my, my facial hair constantly changes. For James Fosdyke, it's a, I'm sure it's a pain in his ass because depending on, you know, what month it is, I might have a beard, I might have stubble, I might be clean shaven, but I've never really committed to a mo. But I kind of feel like you don't want to just go mustache, clean shaven, right? You want it to look... Here's the style guide. You want to look like Henry Cavill in... Um, Mission Impossible. Did you see his mustache? I the one that did. he had to CGI out. Yeah. So what he really has is stubble, 
Or here's another good example. Who's the actor from um, Watchmen and uh, Walking Dead? You know, he plays the comedian in The Watchmen. You know that actor? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And he played, uh, he had the baseball bat Lucille. His name yeah. was fucking... Keegan? 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 Yeah. yeah, Keegan? Kogan? No, Kogan. he's the TV guy. <laughs> he's on Joe two Rogan. TVs. Joe Rogan. The guy on The Walking Dead who had that podcast. Always talked about all the elk. What is that goddamn actor's name? I... It's a three-barrel name. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> Reeves. Uh, what is that freaking dude's name? I'll look it up. Yeah. But anyway, he rocks a good mow as well. And he does a similar thing to Henry Cavill where it's like if you have a three-day growth and the mow on top, it kind of it takes the edge off the mow because of what it kind of looks like is, well, kind of had a beard, but I just let the veranda grow a bit longer. You know what I mean? It feels like you're in a bikey club but you're like the least tough boy. Like, well, I'm in the Blue Oyster Club. Yeah. The Police Academy films. No, I th- no, it feels like you could be in Sons of Anarchy, but right. you'd be like one of the rival gang members who's just not... Weasley? Pretty- yeah, Weasley. <laughs> you're like a Weasley Sons of Anarchy character. <laughs> I mean, I'd sort of take that. I'm not, I'm not growing up. Have mustaches traditionally been tough guy? Because that's the thing. Mustaches, depending on the thickness and yes. the placement and the length, you can either be sort of like um, a dandy or you can be like a biker. I mean, I mean you can be Chopper Reed or you can be Errol versatile Flynn. versatile piece of facial hair. And the, the entire spectrum of masculinity, right? Would you argue that there is more versatility in the moustache? Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, okay. I knew it was a three-barrel name. It actually sounds like a cinema. <laughs> Cinema chain. Did you go and see that Jeffrey D. Morgan? But look um, in that photo here. You can see he actually has, he's modelling the exact moustache that we're talking about. See? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what, that's similar, You know right? what? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If they needed someone to play his brother in something. <laughs> his his Weasley, Weasley brother. brother. <laughs> I've often thought that though. Like, I've often thought. Whose Weasley brother could I play? Because, oh, you know, you, as an actor, you. You do look like you often get compared to certain people. Colin Farrell's another one I get I compared to, and I'm always like, I wonder like if that happened, like what the dynamic would I be like the jockey version of, or would I be the Weasley version of, or you know the the disappointment because you've got a movie star. You name actors who you've been compared to, and I'll tell you if if you're in a movie, like what you'd be playing for them. Okay, Um, so uh, Justin Thoreau. Oh, okay. So Justin Thoreau. Well, okay. So, all right. Yeah, okay. Um, Justin Thoreau is the sort of uptight brother who stayed at home and worked in business. It's like a Corporate. prodigal son, right? And you're the kind of like party the, animal, the party animal <laughs> dropout brother who disappointed the family. But now your parents have died. It's some sort of like your parents have died, and you guys have to rebuild. You know, kind of. He has to deal with the fact that you know he now has to have this new relationship with you, and and you know that you have to be seen as equals, even though you've gone in different has paths. A and, parent died. We've come back. Yeah, a parents to, died. It's yeah. one of those small town dramas yeah, yeah, yeah. where like a parents died. You've constantly been the disappointment of the family, and now he has to reconcile his relationship with you. You know, through that process of grief. There's a secret. There's yeah. a secret. He's always thought I was the fuck up and my parents are always endlessly forgiving of me yeah. and they're always very hard on him. They always yeah. drove him to be successful. Mm. And now that he's back, he feels like here I am just to collect my money, but yeah. he finds out a, a secret. He finds out that you were, uh, you were molested by a priest. 
I feel like that's like it is yeah. something like that. You like this. Well, if it was of, if it was an Australian yeah. drama, yeah. that's what it would be. <laughs> Every Australian drama about someone returning to the small home is always someone got molested by someone. In fact, if you in Australian cinema terms, if you get an invitation to go back home to your small town, don't do it because yeah. you're going to find out something horrible. Yeah. Also, it turns out, according to the newspapers in real life Australia, that's yeah. also what happens. So that might be why it comes up so often in stories. All right, uh, Colin Farrell. Okay, so Colin Farrell, okay. We're about the same age. Yeah. So it could even be like twins? Twins. Twins. Yeah. Oh, a remake of Twins. A remake of Twins, but it's you and Colin Farrell. (laughs) They're about two guys who are twins, but he's just slightly better looking than you. But yeah, and that's to, constantly been a problem but, in your life. But you have to follow. You have to follow the plot of twins, which is like we'll yeah. separate at birth. One was given all the advantages in the world. One was the scumbag. <laughs> no, I actually think that you and Colin Farrell could be like a. Um, I don't know. I, I actually feel it's a bit more like your sort of your Ben Affleck-y Boston, oh, like hard some boiled, sort of hard-boiled crime. crime family. Would it be an Irish thing, or oh, would he be I, an Australian? Better. No, Irish, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah, no Irish or Irish who came to Australia. IRA kind of yeah. link. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, right. We've come to buy weapons. Yeah, you've come to buy weapons. Why come to Australia? I mean, go to America. <laughs> you've come, come to buy boomerangs. Yeah. The we don't have any guns. Their new so weapons it's... are going to be boomerangs. And you guys have been sent to Australia to buy a bunch of boomerangs for the IRA. It's taken a twist, I admit, but I like this new direction. Um, here's another actor that okay. when he was younger, when because I, I saw a clip of Go- the Goonies the other day. When he was younger, he and I looked identical, and that's Sean Astin. Oh. When we were both about the same age, we looked very, very similar. But now he's much bigger. Like you've seen, oh, you haven't watched Stranger Things, but he's quite portly now, Sean Astin. Think of Samwise Ganji okay. if he had a good couple, of, good couple of years. Well, this is good for you. Yeah. Because in the Sean Astin film, you get to be the, the good-looking the leading one. one. Yeah. yeah you're the, <laughs> he can be the fuck-up for he's, he's the comic foil, and you're the handsome lady man. <laughs> yeah, all right. I like that. Contact Astin's people. <laughs> Finally. get in Stranger Things. Yeah. What's Charlie? What do you look for in a role? I look for a role in which I'm not the ugly fucker. Yeah. Essentially, is there someone in it who needs a brother? <laughs> hey, I need uh, your advice. Tell me what yep. you should do. So we mentioned last week that my dog has been sick. Junior well, is uh, and what's the update? Slowly making a recovery, but okay. he did have to spend four days uh, in care last mm-hmm. week. Uh, they don't know what's wrong with him. It's it, it's they've done a lot of tests. I think maybe, and I'm no doctor, <laughs> I think he might have had a stroke. That oh. is my vibe on it because there was an incident that sort of preceded all the things that have happened since in which he like started like barking. Like he, it was like he had a, a fit, started yeah. barking, his legs stopped working and then he started like having a, like a seizure. Um, but then he seemed to sort of fix him, right himself up, but then he got really worse and, you know, we, as we talked about last week, vomiting and diarrhea and it's just, it's been horrible. And since he's been back, his personality hasn't been the same. Like he's seen, one of the vets called me and because they, they couldn't pinpoint what it was. They haven't swapped your dog, have they? No. Just yeah, it's, 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 just, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like, I thought he had four legs, to be honest. It's a, I think he's does kang- not respond to junior at all. <laughs> no, I think um, the, 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 the vets he was at, it's a, like a, one of those big vet places where there lots of different vets looked at him. And so they ran all... They like ultrasound, X-rays, blood tests, everything. So there was nothing obvious, yeah. and I'm, I could have sworn that they said that 
they don't think he had a stroke because whatever testing they do for that, do you know what they do to test for a stroke? Is there I some... have no idea what they do to test a dog for a stroke. Um, but then one of the vets came back to me because the problem was, is he first of all, like he couldn't stop throwing up and he couldn't stop shitting himself. Mm. Um, in fact, the night we recorded last week, I was on my way over here and I went to pick him up first. Got him from the vets, everything seemed good, carried him to the car, put him in the back seat and there was explosive diarrhea. <laughs> like it was a horror film. Like I have never seen anything quite like it. Like it just didn't stop. It was everywhere. And so then, like it was all over me, all over the car. I had to go back into the vet, like covered in muck. And there was like people all in this vet, you know, waiting to pick up their animals. I'm carrying this dog in. And we're both covered in filth. Have to get the vet back out. He was very embarrassed because he'd obviously just released this dog. Yeah. And then me and the vet have to go out to the car park with some towels and try and clean up. In my head, I'm like, how quickly can I sell this car? <laughs> like, or insurance job. Do I just set it on fire and drive it off a cliff? <laughs> because this is a horror show. Um, but the next day, I took it to... Uh, uh, we've examined the wreckage of the car <laughs> and we found that uh, it, it was both burnt and driven off the cliff, but there's still so much dog shit which we just cannot explain. <laughs> In fact, we're just going to leave it at the bottom of the ocean. We're going to seal it in concrete. It's been under the ocean for a week and there's still so much dog shit. So um, I took it to a car cleaners and they did a remarkable job. I felt terrible. I said to the woman, look, this is not going to be a good job, so just tell me what it's going to cost because I would rather pay top dollar for you to fucking fix this. I need an old priest and a young priest. And uh, they did. They managed to clean every every scrap of it up. And it's well, See, so here's the thing. Like, absolutely, if you're in the car cleaning business, you don't want that this to job. what you come to at work. But you've got to assume that occasionally, if you're in the business of professional i imagine with taxis and stuff like that you know occasionally there's like a mess in the back of a taxi or an uber and stuff and they've got to take it to someone to clean yeah so what's i mean human shit is worse right well it's worse but probably more contained there's (laughs) there's like do you know what i mean like you're balancing two things human shit probably comes out mostly in the one spot whereas like you the, the situation that you're yeah, describing is more your sort of rumor pro heart that yes. artist who just used to like so throw stuff heart. everywhere. Pro fart. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this was. I mean, poor bugger. Like he, it was just, it was just awful. So anyway, so he stayed in for a number of days and they did, ran a whole bunch of tests. The issue was like, he wasn't really eating and then, you know, he was losing fluids and stuff. And so they put him, but there's another issue with junior and it's only happened in the last six months or so where, He's getting older and so he's sort of getting more arthritic and stuff. And so you can't really touch his neck and he yelps and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's really hard to give him any medication because he just won't open his mouth. You can't go near it. The minute you touch, you know how you do that thing where you pinch their gums. He just freaks the fuck out. And you can't put it in food or anything because he's not eating. Not eating. Or he knows that there's something in there. Yeah. So anyway, we just said to the vets, look, we've just had a baby. We've already got one thing that's sort of shooting everywhere we just we we'll just leave him with you and just call us when things improve if things improve and so slowly but surely like he started to improve and he sort of got back to a level where they were like okay um we think you can come get him so i came and picked him up but he's not the same like he's sort of the same but he's not and the vet said look from all the testing they've done 
the only thing that they've found is his liver um his liver is a little mottled which could be something but it could also be the fact that he turns 15 in a couple of weeks and so they said we could do a biopsy but let's just wait to see how he goes so they sent me home with like all this medication and shit so for the last like five days it's just been this fucking um impossible ordeal where i'm trying to give him this medication that he needs but he won't eat and then if i can tempt him into eating something then i quickly try and find a way to like slip some medication in but then the minute he detects the medication he won't eat it so anyway he seems to improve in the last 24 hours like we went for a big walk today much more alert i'm like okay well maybe it's just his age he had a gastrointestinal thing sick Sick. you know maybe there was a bit of a seizure you know who knows but he seems to be on the way up yeah but now he's got this, it's a behavioral thing where he will not eat anything. Well, he will eat food if we're eating it, but he won't eat it if I put it out for him. So I have bought him every cuisine under the sun, beef, pork, chicken, fish, whatever, vegetables, just trying to t- entice him. Yeah. But he won't eat it. If, no matter how well I prepare, you know, if I put it in the plate, he avoids it. But if we sit down to eat our own dinner, he will sit at our feet and we can toss stuff down to him and he eats it. Okay. So it's become this thing now where I will go through this whole act of preparing his food and then sitting down on the couch Oh, do you spoon. have to do that first? Yeah, pretending like I'm eating oh, his food. Oh, you have food. to pretend you eat his food. Is he full by this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say you could just prepare, like, I mean, you know, at the moment, you know, even if he was just eating some chicken and rice or whatever, it'd be good to get like food into it. I mean, you could eat chicken and rice. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You could <laughs> yeah. just actually just start preparing meals that you could both eat. Well, I eat, I eat pretty healthily. So yeah. a lot of what I eat, yeah. it, he can eat. It's yeah. generally just meat and vegetables anyway. It's fine. But it's more, it's this weird thing where, and so Jim and I were talking about it. And I think I mentioned last week that when he first got sick that night, there was a couple of things going on. We're giving him this um, anti-inflammatory medication, which he needed, and he got an accidental overdose of that. Gemma and I both dosed him without realizing it, yep. which could have upset his tummy. And then I think I was giving him chicken that maybe just gone off. So right. I think maybe in his mind... The sickness is associated with that. And with me. Oh. Specifically okay. with what I put in his bowl. Yeah, right. Because it's so weird. Like, Oh, so he's like a king or something. He needs to see Someone, you eat it first yeah. before he will try it. That's exactly right. <laughs> so this morning I was making eggs for Jem and I was at the yeah. pan and so I was like frying up the eggs and I was just like tossing, you know, a little bit of scrambled egg on the floor and he was coming up and eating that. And then I took a big scoop out and popped it in his bowl and he went over, sniffed it and then like reared back as if he detected something trying bad to, in it. Trying to fucking poison me again. Yeah. 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 No, you come over here and you <laughs> eat out of this bowl yeah. and prove to me that this isn't poisoned. So it's just this bizarre. So I have to now, like every time I feed him, because I'm trying to get him fed in morning yep. and night at the moment because I'm still getting his medication. But it's this whole act where I will be like, mmm, you know, and like heating up his like mints and sniffing it yep. and then sitting on the couch and, mm, and then I'll offer it something. Here comes and, the aeroplane. Yeah, and well, Jen- it's good practice. You know what I mean? That, that is literally something yeah, you're, you're right. going to have to be doing for your child. So that, I didn't think of that. You're right. It yeah. is good practice. Essentially, you are just getting used to the idea of getting someone to eat who doesn't, doesn't necessarily want to eat. Yeah. Um, is there, and you know, I mean, if he, if it is psychological, and again, I don't know why we keep. I even, well, the vet, the vet flooded that. Yeah. One of the vets said it could be dementia. Right. So, but say it's in the psychological realm, yeah. right? And again, I don't know why we need to keep pointing this out. 
Not a doctor, <laughs> not a vet. I think anyone who's, if you're tuning in for the first time, you're like, well, this well, is going to sound like we vets. are the number one podcast amongst doctors yeah. and vets. So I, yeah, so I probably don't need to say it. But um, what I will say is, it's a, if he got sick and at exactly the same time, like his whole domestic living situation has changed. You yes. guys, you guys now have someone else that, like for the last 15 years, it's been us. the attention has been you two and then him. He's yeah. the other part he of the, the family. Kid. He was the kid. And now there's this new situation. You know, he's living, you know, he would have sensed the build up to it. He would have seen Jim. Like, I know it happened a couple of days, but, but like, it was very much yeah. in the moment and in the process. And the chemicals changed. Yeah. Like, he'd be smelling different So, not necessarily saying that it's a result of that, but saying if he has also got sick at the exact same time that he's also going through all these other mm. things that he doesn't necessarily understand, his reaction may be to feel like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, you've got this new thing. Are you, I mean, we're anthropomorphizing now. Anthropomorphizing. But, but, um, but, you know, the, I mean, I imagine it's a big life change. Yes. And, and well, he's, it, may, it might be contributing to some of that. He's been really, uh, un, seems to be unbothered by her. Like, doesn't, has, doesn't respond or react. Maybe ignoring she exists. Yeah. And when's she leaving? I don't <laughs> when's know. When's she leaving? And when can I eat from my bowl again? Well, I think... You know, you... if you want to feed someone on the floor in a bowl, how about fucking her <laughs> and I'll sit at the table and eat your food? What are you doing? Breastfeeding. I want some uh, of that. <laughs> get me up there. Let me up. No, 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 Junior, get down. Um, you got two boobs. <laughs> One's for Junior. <laughs> and I don't He's mean been... Reed Parker Junior. <laughs> I like that he speaks in the third person, like Rock. He calls himself Junior. Junior wants to eat, and Junior wants to eat now. Finally, Junior has come <laughs> back, and he can't stop shooting. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting, like because you know there's a little part of you too that's like, oh fuck, man, like you just feel awful, and he's getting older, and yeah. you know, well, obviously he's closer to the end than he is to to being a puppy, and you sort of have to recalibrate now. Well, what are our expectations on him as a pet i know that sounds weird but it's like you know he was like you said he was our companion and you know anytime i'd head out there he, he's the he's one of those dogs who we'd never really have on the lead because he's really obedient sticks by us you don't have to worry him. he's not aggressive so anytime i leave the house i just open the door he comes with me go down to the shops jumps in the car whatever he's been my best friend for like 14 years but now it's like oh he's kind of in retirement right now and he needs care and because i was sort of getting it it's funny, I was getting, you know, not morose, but like just sad and, and bummed out by it. And, you know, Jen was kind of saying to me, but he, he has a really good life and he's had a really good life. Yeah. And, you know, if the expectation now is that he just sleeps in a really comfortable bed and really comfortable couch and then gets fed and... And eats floor scrambled eggs <laughs> and floor chicken. Then, yeah. You know what? That's fine. That's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like... There's a, yeah. I mean, I, I would I, like that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I kind of agree with that. I don't think that, I don't think there's anything about, I reckon it's like, it's like at the start and at the end, sometimes it's just about, well, what, what needs to be done? Yes. Like if he's only going to eat the scrambled eggs while I'm cooking the scrambled eggs off the floor, then you know what he eats for breakfast? Scrambled eggs off the floor. Well, that was the exact, because I was getting really frustrated by day three or four of having all this medication that I'm meant to be giving him and couldn't get him to take any of it. And I was like, I was getting really frustrated and angry at him and angry at myself. And then I was like, but hang on, if he doesn't want it, then maybe he doesn't want it. Like, 
you know, if it, it's like when you watch a biopic where, you know, some free-thinking maverick does it on their own and it's like, fuck it, I'm going to, you know, do it without any medication. I'm going to do it without this. And it's like, well, that's their choice. Yeah. And you should, like, encourage someone to have autonomy. And so it's not like he So was, what you're saying is Junior is Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is he he's not in distress. Yeah. He's choosing to live his life how he wants to because to try and get the medication into his distresses mouth him. distresses him yep. and freaks him out. And I yep. don't want to do that. And I was on, I was operating... Certainly in the short term, like as in like while you're regaining the trust and doing all those sort of things. Absolutely. The last thing you want to do is like every time he thinks of you to be thinking of you being the person who Hurts grabs him. his face and tries to jam something into his mouth. Like... <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's a that's a rule for all relationships. You never want to be known as that guy. I guess when I say it out loud, <laughs> Junior is not unreasonable. <laughs> Again, I might be projecting my own set of values onto Junior. Um, in this instance, I mean, you never want to go back to your small town and find <laughs> out that Uncle Harry <laughs> held his mouth open and jammed something in his mouth. Yeah, you two reconcile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's just getting to a point where it's like he's this is this is where he's at now, and you know maybe he'll have good days and bad days and stuff. But I think when my mum was ill, I remember talking to my therapist at the time about I went down to visit her one uh, weekend, and I, I had been out, and I'd come home late at night. I remember entering her apartment; it was all dark, and I could hear like the, this radio playing from her bedroom. And I walked past her bedroom and I saw her like asleep in bed and she had the radio playing and there was something just so like, I found so sad, poignant, but sad about this old lady in this dark apartment on her own, listening to the radio on her own. And, and so I was telling my therapist about it and I was like, you know, it's just so sad. And she was like, did your mum tell you she's sad? And I was like, well, no. And she's like, is she lonely? I'm like, no, no, she's got lots of visitors. And she's gone, so you just decided on this one image there's one moment that this is the way things are. She's gone, you are over-empathizing because it makes you feel like you are doing something, that somehow you're involved in your mother's, you know, uh, treatment or whatever it is. But that's actually not helpful because you are, it's been fairly disrespectful to her and it's also creating well, more you, anxiety. Yeah, because you've it almost robbed her of her own agency yeah. in that situation. To give you an example that is right on the money, I've had a very very big day today just a lot of work on today and um for the last about three or four days i've had a twitchy eye like just a little twitch in my eye and it's not something in my eye and i haven't been to the doctor but a couple of pharmacists were like just like this is a very common thing uh yeah they yeah they gave me a few sort of like this is probably what it is i went home and googled it every single article seemed to say the same thing which is Quite a common thing. You ran over a gypsy. Yeah, he ran over a gypsy. And uh, no, it's quite a common thing. It says um, uh, the three main causes, well, the four main causes, because they've added a new one, but the three main causes are fatigue, and I'm massively tired at the moment. I'm, I've got a lot of stuff on. Um, uh, caffeine. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, all the fucking time. And stress. And I've been under really stressful time as well. So I was just like, chances are, seeing they're the three main contributing factors. And I tick all of those boxes. And then I found some more recent article that's like, and heaps of screen time. And I'm like, oh, great. I do that <laughs> a fourth. So my twitchy eye is never going away. But because I knew you were coming over and I had about an hour in between, I literally lay on that couch just there 
in the dark to rest my <laughs> eye and I listened to trade radio, <laughs> AFL trade radio. So if you had walked by, you would have seen a man laying in the dark listening to the radio <laughs> in exactly the same fashion. That's and so I was happy funny. and relaxed, Charlie. <laughs> so yeah, I guess the point being, it's like, well, he... He's, he's, today was a great day, you yeah. know, and he still gets cuddles on the couch and, you know, he's a happy dog in general, but you are not going, to, I'm not going to, sometimes I think I create extra rules in my life, like standards that I need to live up to or standards that need to be lived up to. Like an, there's an invisible, I think that we all do judging panel. Yeah. Which is like, well, if you are going to be a good owner, responsible, God, owner, Charlie. God, yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy, <laughs> fuck him, <laughs> fuck him and the bloody winged horse he rode in on. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably an element of that Catholic guilt, yeah. but it's just the idea of, well, there's a set way to do things, yes. and you know, because I've been told that this is how I should treat my dog, if I don't do it exactly that way, I feel like I failed in some way. Or I am failing because I can't... My dog's not eating, so I'm failing. It's a failure on my part somehow that this dog is not living his best life. And it's like, just that simple adjustment of being like, no, okay, like you aren't going to let him suffer no. or be in pain. Love him. Love look him. Look after him. Yeah. But don't feel like there's some, you know... It's not helping him by punishing myself no. or wrecking my brain or getting stressed out and, by the fact that... And reconciling also the fact that Anytime you buy a pet, yeah, chances are that, you know, the truth of it is, even though you don't want to acknowledge it when you've got a little puppy or whatever, that, yeah. you know, it, like, it's probably going to die in your lifetime. Yeah. And, that, and to be honest, that's the best case scenario. Because, you know, if you don't outlive your dog <laughs> that you bought in your mid-20s, that's, that's, that's more bad for you than it is for the dog, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it doesn't make it any e easier to, mm. you know, see them in those later stages of their life. You know, like we have had, you know, two cats die in the last, you know, kind of, you know, 24 months or, or so. And, and incredibly sad, you know, just really devastating to, you know, share your world with, you know, something for you know, 15 years and then and no longer have have that, you know, that thing as part of your world. I had a, a one this week, which I'll tell you about, but I'm going to have a bathroom break. Let's take a little break from the show, Will, to tell you about uh, this week's sponsor, ShipStation. ShipStation. Can I ask you a question? Please ask me a question. Actually, now that I see what the question is, just pretend that this applies to you. Do you still sell stuff online? Oh, man. Do I sell stuff online? I sell so much stuff online. Well, that's good because then you'd know what a pain the shipping process is. Oh, it's man. It's time-consuming. I would sell more stuff online if it wasn't so time-consuming to ship the stuff out. And it's expensive? Oh, so expensive. And you're always copying and pasting orders from multiple oh sites. Oh my God. Like that is probably 90% of what I'm doing, copying and pasting. Trying to figure out the best carrier, man, that is such a hassle. And who needs hassles? I mean, I didn't even know you could compare carriers. <laughs> well, ShipStation was created to make your life easier. And guess what? Oh, it's now the number one e-commerce solution. I mean, that is brilliant considering it was only created to make my life easier. <laughs> ShipStation works for us. ShipStation is how we get our uh, sticker packs out to our listeners. Uh, it makes it easy. It's a one-stop shop for all your mailing needs. Yeah. I mean, look, this is not ShipStation's fault. We should have thought about international shipping fees before we uh, offered to give stickers to people in other places. But you know what? The way it gets them is really convenient. Exactly. And it could be costing us a lot more. 
and could be a lot more inconvenient to send those things out if it were not for ShipStation. Whether you're selling on eBay, Amazon, Shopify, or over 100 other popular selling channels. I sell on all of them. 104 channels is what I sell on. (laughs) ShipStation lets you access all of your orders from one simple dashboard. Oh, thank God. And guess what? ShipStation works with all the major shipping carriers locally, globally, including FedEx, UPS and all the local couriers like UPS, USPS? Yeah, USPS. USPS. What's USPS? Yeah, US Postal Service. Oh, okay. Australia USPS. I'm constantly sending I thought it was some kind of like rap posse, the USPS. We're the USPS. You're down with USPS? (laughs) ShipStation recommend the best carrier based on your needs so you can know that you're always getting the best deal. They even offer discounts on shipping costs. A one-man shop can access the same... Or one-woman shop. Or one-woman shop. A one-person shop. Can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. Get out. Well, it's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You ship more in less time at the best rates available. Okay, here's the bit you need to listen to. Right now, TOEFOP listeners get to try ShipStation for free. Shut up. <laughs> Nay. Tell me, oh, you're being like, oh, you're as in like, that's yeah. a good thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm disbelieving <laughs> right now. Oh, it's not like stop shut talking. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, shut up. Shut up. Shut up, shut mate. Shut your mouth. No, seriously. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut your face hole. <laughs> uh, ShipStation, you can try it for free for 60 days when you use the offer code at TOEFOP. There's absolutely no risk. No, no risk. risk. It's T-O-F-O-P. like the 60s, man. It's bloody free love, but for mailing things. Exactly. No risk. Yeah, no risk, my friend. Avoid the brown acid. <laughs> you can start your free trial without ever entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in T-O-F-O-P, TOEFOP. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the code TOEFOP. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. Make ship happen. Okay. I've had a pet emergency this week as well. Oh, really? Yes. And uh, it goes to your over-emotional attachment. Well, not over, but like, you know, feeling like you're over... like Invested. Feeling like you're a failure. Oh, yeah. Feeling like you've... Like nothing makes you feel more helpless. Well, you've you've got a baby now, so I guess maybe that's probably <laughs> oh, going to super. I'm failing every it, night. Um, Swaddling is the hardest shit in the world. Wow, and 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 also everything that will happen for the next eighteen years, yeah, exactly, and beyond. I love you. How you, yeah, eighteen years minimum. <laughs> well, because that was the rule in my house. Yeah, maybe eighteen when years you're old. 18. My pay parents. Rent. My parents' theory was always that you rate. In fact, my mum said it to me one day, and I, I absolutely loved it. She goes. We wanted to be the sort of parents that you did not want to leave home until you were 18 years old. And once you turned 18, you wanted to leave home. <laughs> right? That was, thought that was a pretty So good that's way. when we start walking around nude. Yeah. Having <laughs> sex in the kitchen. Um, so I, um, last Wednesday night, I've, I've done Gruen in Sydney and then uh, flown back late at night. So I have a big press day on Wednesdays. So it's, it's a big long day. Starts at six. I do my first interview and I finish my last interview at 6.15. And I have to do actually my radio show and a Gruen meeting in the middle of all that as well about the next week. So it's a, it's a fuck. And it's the day after taping. It's a big, long, emotional day. Mm. And so then I fly back. Um, I normally land in Melbourne about 9, 9.30. And my ideal thing would be to just go home, go to bed, you know, because I've got to get up at 4.30 the next morning. So that's my plan as I get on the plane. But when I get off the plane, there are a lot of messages because it turns out the church, our cat, our kitten, who's only like, what, 10 months old at this point, has disappeared. Uh. Now, 
So I've had to then go home and emotions are pretty high at home and I have gone into full Tommy Lee Jones in the fugitive <laughs> mode. I am like... Searching you know, every doghouse, outhouse if, in yeah, the area. Literally, that's yeah. what I am like. When You know when you're looking in implausible places? Like yeah. there's no way... The cat's cat- name is Church. <laughs> Take a good look. Uh, so uh, I'm looking in cupboards that there's no way... That, Was there any you know, derailed trains? <laughs> Maybe should have escaped... It was a three-legged cat. Yeah. I swear it was a three-legged <laughs> cat. Um, so I'm up on the roof. So this is the most likely scenario is that on the roof of um, my house, there's, you know, as you know, it's kind of like an open top roof area. And so there's places up there if she's got up on the roof where she could then get up onto the roof or onto other roofs or whatever and, you know, kind of get into some situation where she might be trapped or something. Yeah. But it's nighttime too. You know, it's dark now. So I'm doing it all with my like iPhone torch, which I don't know how to turn on or off. So I'm like having to tell Siri to turn my iPhone torch on and off as like I explore all these implausible places. And then about, oh, and I'm walking the neighborhood, like, you know, like literally doing that thing where I just walk around nearby houses, just listening, hoping that I'll hear like a bell or a meow. So the animal that is most notable for its silent movement. Well, she's got a bell, okay, and she's got quite a jingly bell, yeah, and um, and she like she'll meow if I call. So right. that's what I'm looking for at this situation. So I'm wearing what I would normally wear. So I have like black pants on and a black hoodie, right? Okay, and uh, at the end of my street, like two houses over, they've just knocked down a house and they've built like well, they're in the process of building some apartment blocks. So there is a construction site, and I'm like, you know what? She might have gone over the construction site. She's been like, you know, trapped in some area in this construction. So I go over there trying to like see if she's in there. And I realize that the wire gate, they've just kind of like left it open. So now I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to go in and have a look. So now I'm literally walking around a trespassing. half complete. Trespassing. <laughs> Firstly, I am definitely trespassing. 100%. All dressed in black. All dressed in black in Port Melbourne, which is a notoriously crime-riddled <laughs> suburb. And um, I am going around every aspect of this like site also thinking the whole time i'm going it would be really easy to steal stuff from this like site it's like i've just the clothes just, start seeping into your brain you, you're dressed like a criminal you start i've acting just like a wandered in here and all this stuff i could just like wheel away in this wheelbarrow that they've left here um not in there can't can't find her so i go back up on the roof and now i am full batman like i'm literally just standing on the roof doing a bit of shaking the the biscuits and then listening. So that's like for about 10 minutes, I'm like just shaking the biscuits and then listening to see if I can yeah, hear the meow. And then like about 10 minutes in, so it's about midnight at this stage. Right. Like I hear a meow and it's from like two neighbors over and there's no one in that house at the moment. Like it, it's a rental and there's no one in the rental at the moment. And I definitely think it's coming from there. So I try to go out. I try to like look over the fence. I can't. It's just inaccessible. From the roof, I can hear where the meow is. Right. But I cannot. So I think that she's gone over on the roofs. She's jumped down in there. And then, then there's just no way that she can get back up. Right. So I go out into the street where the garage is, where the roller door of the garage is. And like I shake the cookies and I hear her and she comes over to the door. So now it's just like. Confirmed. Did you get confirmed. eyes on her? Do you have visuals? Well, I had no visuals. Okay. But I have 
audios. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can That's hear definitely, her. You know the sound of her meow? Yeah, I, it's definitely her. Absolutely okay. 100%, no doubt that it is her. Okay. So now I am like... I'm so Total Gwen Stefani, I no doubt. so close. Yeah, right? I'm just the girl. She's just the girl. <laughs> uh, so I am... You're like, don't speak. <laughs> I wish I knew a third Gwen Stefani <laughs> song, but I don't. I was like, this shit is bananas. <laughs> B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> and, You're like, uh, church, it's my life. <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> no, um, no, that's it. <laughs> the NRL grand final was on last night when we were recording this and uh, the rugby league uh, for people listening internationally, uh, which is one of the football sports we play in Australia, yeah. uh, the one that Charlie and I do not do a podcast about. But I watched their grand final, which was fantastic. Uh, but the... The uh, pre-match entertainment was a band called One Republic. Do you know who One Republica? I thought they were a clothing brand. <laughs> no, yes, their pre-match entertainment was a clothing brand. Yeah. They just came out, they modelled some clothing. People Place seemed to really enjoy it. Well, not, no, I, I mean, I've heard of them. I have no idea yeah. what kind of band they So are. they're one of those bands that when they're being introduced and they mentioned how many records they've sold and how many streams they've had, they've had like three billion streams they or something like that. No, 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 oh, they're right. American. And they've had like three billion streams or some ridiculous number like that. And you're like, wow, I did not realize. So they have one song that you would probably definitely recognize. Not if I sing it, but it's like, lately I've been, I've been. Yeah, it sounds a bit country or a yeah, bit folky. I've been working hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no. They play at my gym, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Okay, so, um, so yeah, so that's the Counting Stars, maybe it's uh, called, or anyway, whatever. So that's their kind of big song. They've got a couple other songs that you're like, oh, yeah, maybe I've heard that song. They've got a new song that you've definitely never heard that they obviously contractually said that they could play. But then, and this was like very smart, the dude just is like, and I'm going to play this other song. Here's a song I wrote for Beyonce. And he'd written like one of like Beyonce's biggest, like, hits. biggest hits. And you were just like, oh, oh, there you go. Well done. Good on you for being smart enough to realize we'd rather hear you sing that song you wrote for Beyonce <laughs> rather than one of your songs. I wonder if that's like, I mean, I guess you wrote it. I mean, but right. you sign away it's the right. I wrote it. You sign away the rights, though. You write it for Beyonce. She's paid you. It's her song. Doesn't mean you can't sing it anymore. Prince could still sing Nothing Compares to You. Yeah, and what was that Martika one he wrote? Prince wrote? Um, Love Thy Will Love Be Done. Love Thy Will Be Done. He didn't bust that one out quite as often. No. <laughs> Did he do Nothing Compares to You? I actually went... And, oh, this is so weird you should bring up Prince. I um, the With the, the baby, we have an alter, alternating uh, roster at the moment, sort of. Gem feeds, I, I nurse, and then we alternate napping. So I've been doing a lot of watching TV and a lot of YouTube videos. And I went on a Prince, down a Prince rabbit hole. And I started at Bat Dance. I started at Bat Dance for some reason. I haven't heard Bat Dance in 20 years. And I was like, oh, man, I, I have memories of that song being terrible. Let's see if it is as bad as I remember. And turns out it is. <laughs> like, What's interesting, have you listened to this week's The Weekly Planet? No. So they actually talk about... The idea. Oh no, maybe it was last week's Batman 1989. I haven't. Oh no, you know what? It's Caravan a car- of Garbage. Caravan of Garbage. They do Batman 1989, and they talk about the fact that the soundtrack is the only thing that doesn't really it, hold it's, up. It's completely out of place in yeah. that film. And they actually talk in the episode about the idea of like it'd be interesting to see that film with like a Hans Zimmer or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. 
you know, kind of, you know, soundtrack with it. And I was like, yeah, that is actually you're absolutely right. Well, you watch that, you watch the music video for Bat Dance and it is so clearly that Warner Brothers have gone, hey, look, we've got this rock star contracted. We've got this huge tentpole flick. Let's just squish them both together and you watch it. And it's like, well, I couldn't even tell you the genre of song that Bat Dance fits into. Is it a dance song? Because there's a bit of rapping. There's a bit of like ele- electronica, but then there's some sort of funk guitars and then it's completely shifts tone and it becomes like this kind of, I don't know, Prince type song. It's so fucking terrible. <laughs> it, is, it is so bad. It is so bad. But then, then I started just clicking on all of Prince's kind of like music videos and hits and it's like... This motherfucker, like, it's so talented. Like, does someone like that... Because, you know, Hannah Gadsby talks about in her special this whole thing of, like, separating, oh, you need mental illness to be a genius or whatever. But you look at someone like him and, like, you go, like, he was so unique and it seems like his talent was so closely associated, kind of like Lady Gaga, this kind of very extroverted, costumey, the way they present themselves. You feel like it's all intrinsically linked in, like... There are certain performers like Alice Cooper or Marilyn Manson that I imagine if you went around to their place on a Tuesday night, you'd probably find them in tracksuit pants. You guys like Boggle? You want to play some (laughs) Boggle? But I feel like with Prince, like I've heard stories that you go around, if you, you know, uh, there's some comedian told a great story about uh, Prince called his security team at like three in the morning and said, there's someone in my walls. And they're like, Prince, there's no one in your walls. It was like, there's someone in my walls come around now. So they had to go around to Paisley Palace at like three in the morning. Prince answered the door. He's wearing... I think it was Paisley Park. Oh, Paisley Park. You might have upgraded it <laughs> to Paisley Palace. His other residence, Paisley Palace. Prince answers the door and he's dressed head to toe in white silk. Like his hair's in a big wrap and he's wearing like three inch heels. Like yeah. it's three in the morning. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like... If it was me, he'd be in a t-shirt yeah. and like tracks his pants. They find someone yeah. in his walls. Apparently some crazy <laughs> fan... Like, well, I told you. They could believe it. That's exactly what he said. Like, I told you, motherfuckers, there's someone in my wall. <laughs> but you think about someone like that, and it's like, well, he clearly just lived it. You know, this is the uh, he could only operate in in one gear, or, or he was never. Prince wasn't a persona. Prince, he was Prince. Yeah. Yes. But do you think when he went home to mum and dad, you know, for Sunday roast, king and queen, his mum and dad. <laughs> Um, I yeah, I'd, I'd like to know if there was a time where is was that just if there were other people around he felt like he always needed to be Prince, like you know, as in like Prince was the public persona, and therefore if someone was coming around a Prince's house, he needed to present to them as is princely. But if he was at home alone, like would Prince always be dressed like that just in case there was a fire or whatever? I think so. Or, like, is there a chance that he's just lounging around in an old Led Zeppelin t-shirt I reckon, or something? I don't reckon... I reckon all of Prince's clothes would have been tailored. I don't reckon he bought anything well, that's true. off the rack. It was the, true. The, the little, little man store. <laughs> but you can't imagine him getting, like, a, a three-pack of Bonds t-shirts or anything like that. If he's wearing, like, an undershirt, it's going to be, like, made for him. Well, I guess... If you have a cupboard full of really nice clothes and they all feel really comfortable and they're made from like silk or whatever, then I mean, if you got to Prince, why not? If you got to Prince, and maybe he wears like the three the three inch heels because like before you got around, you needed to get something off a high shelf <laughs> or something. But if you got Prince money, I guess, and Prince resources, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right. Why not? Why not get all the clothes that you like wearing? But I just get I'm wearing this like shitty t shirt no. now and shitty pants. But if no. I just got like four hundred dollar versions of this. Shiny silk. Well, I mean, in a way, that is kind of how I dress. 
Expensive, like, you know, shitty. I have very expensive, shitty-looking clothes. Like, yeah. I mean, not shitty, well, but, like... Well, it helps a friend of ours has a brand that is essentially super expensive casual wear. Super brand. expensive casual wear. And, that, and I almost exclusively wear her brand. Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, she gave me, like, she put me on the family list. I get a 40% yeah. discount. But that still is like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'll buy three or four of these things. I've got to take six months off. Yeah, but I love that because A, I can support my friend, but B, that is exactly how I like to dress. Mm. Like I have, have always been- Hoodies, per- fisherman pants. Always been a person who dresses for comfort, but I like that idea that I can wear something that- like it, And it is high quality. Limo was saying to me the other day, he goes, when do you become that person- who just goes like, you know, those that celebrity who's, you know, rich enough that they just wear a tracksuit all the time now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I basically, that's kind of what I yeah, do. You're in, the, you're in your Steven Seagal mode where you're just wearing like kimonos and <laughs> shit all the time. <laughs> I have a couple of kimonos and I'm not far away from cracking. As long as it's comfortable. A muumuu, I don't care. A onesie, I'd be very happy to wear all those because they're just comfortable things to wear. So I guess if I had unlimited resources and nobody told me, like the reason that I probably don't is that I have other people in my world and my life who would, you know, tease me and reject me and disown me if I did. But if I was left to my own devices, I'd One right here, mate. 100% how I would dress. I hope you have some outrageous financial success oh, in the next couple so, of okay. years. Okay, so anyway. Church. Uh, Wednesday night, church has gone missing. Yeah. She's in the um, garage next door. We end up recruiting Phil, our neighbour, who's been on my other podcast, Philosophy, for the people who are playing the completest games at home. Uh, Phil, my next-door neighbour, uh, he he and I have gone over to the garage. And it's one of those garage doors where it's like you can leverage it up probably, you know, what, 10 centimetres. Like between two of you without breaking the door, mm. you can just pull the bottom of it up enough that... that we that could then get could the get cat, out. cat out. But no, the cat wouldn't have been able to get out by itself. They had to be holding on to the cat and okay. pulling the cat. Like it was... Anyway, she, turns out she's absolutely fine. Crisis averted. Everything's fine. I get four hours sleep. I go to work. Everything's fine. The next day, we're overly paranoid about the cat. So while the house is open and the dogs are running around, the uh, church has been up in my office. Still plenty of space, but, you know, just been up there. So it's night time. There's clothes out on the line between my office and the house and I go to get her back in to bring her in. So I've shut everything down. I'm trying to be the best cat dad I can be. You know, I've shut everything off. I'm going to get her. But I'm also trying to be, like, I try to lock, I try to lock everything up out the back as well okay. as I'm coming in at night for security. So I've got her under one arm and I'm locking the doors as we go through. Anyway, I'm ducking under the line. I'm shutting the door behind me and then, this almighty scream comes from her. Like just, you know, like this blood curdling scream and she evacuates her, uh, like she pisses pisses all over me. Like just, and I've got her in my arms, so just like literally all over me. And I realise that the tip of her tail has got caught in the door as it shut. So I've done it. Oh, like God. not only is she experiencing this pain, but like I had obviously not on purpose and not even carelessly. It was, it must just have been stretched out so far and just, it was dark and I was going on the line <sighs> and whatever. But the scream was oh. like nothing that you've heard. So the dogs are going completely crazy. So we get her out of the door, get her inside, go upstairs. Now she's, her tail looks like at the end, Squished. there's definitely like a, a kink in the tail. 
And that is no good because uh, if people don't know, if a cat breaks their tail, you have to remove the whole tail. Like you can't just sort of, you know, fix the, the cat's tail. So I am now, like, I'm in shock. Mm. Like I'm genuinely, I, it's been a big couple of days anyway, I'm, and but it's also my fault. Oh. I've, after everything, I have, like, this is me. Like, yeah. you know, it was a complete accident, but but at the same time, it doesn't matter. So I am bawling. Like, I can't control it. Like, I was gurning. Like, I, I was like a kid at the big day out. Like, it, probably in should the have taken that red Mitsubishi like, locked up the But office. that's honestly yeah. what my face was like. I could not stop crying in this way that just like, I felt like this poor fucking thing. And like, you know, and I had yeah. done it and now we were going to have. So now it's like, it's nine o'clock at night again, two nights in a row. And so I'm like, well, we're going to have to find a 24 hour vet. We're going to have to get into the vet. We're going to go and check this out. And like, so we eventually, like, yeah, so Amy's calling vets. She's sorted out one where one is. There's one like 20 minutes away. We don't have a car. So so I'm calling an Uber, trying to, I've had a shower. I'm trying to put like, I had to get out of the, you know, cat piss clothes. And, but I also just had to like shower, but I still haven't managed to stop crying. Popped a Valium, still haven't stopped crying, but I'm like, I've got to pull this shit together so that we can actually do something about this. So we get into the Uber at the start, the Uber driver is so like sus about the fact that we're putting a cat cage into the back seat with us, even though cage and we've got a blanket and everything. Yeah. Not, there's no way that it'll hurt the car, but you know, just sus. And then just clearly looks at my face and just goes, Oh no, it's all fine. It's all fine. But definitely like just, I obviously had this look on my face of like, dude, not right now, not right now. What you're doing is taking us to the vet. The only thing that's good at this point is she does not seem to be like she's not crying. She's not like she's not using her tail, so that's not good. But in the cage and stuff, like she's coming up and headbutting like Amy's finger and stuff, like you know, like it's responsive, respo- yeah, and not doesn't seem to be in shock, doesn't seem to be like particularly in pain. But so we get to this twenty-four uh, hour vet in Kensington in Melbourne, and uh, they are so good like just one of those places where you're like oh thank god because we don't know it's on this back street you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere it's like it's in this like sort of um you know like what do they call those like industrial industrial estates but it's only a couple of streets off main roads but it's definitely off where drug deals happen yeah well no it's it's not even like light enough for drug deals to happen (laughs) (laughs) drug dealers would want somewhere there was a little bit more light you better count your cash yeah like you go through this door you have to go up this like shaky elevator up to where the vets are it looks dodgy as fuck but once you get there they were really good like the staff who worked there were awesome the vet uh there was a couple of vets working but the vet we had was just like she was great i was still really you know i was trying to be okay but i wasn't so like the cat's gonna be fine, but the guy we're gonna have to, yeah, shoot gonna him, have up to put him down. Three hundred cc's of Thorazine. You heard of the Blue Dream? We're gonna give him the Blue Dream. <laughs> so she's felt the tail, and uh, she's she 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 actually is like, look, worse case. This like she's so this is all the great stuff they have to test. Like so, one of the big things if you hurt the tail too badly is they can lose like uh, bladder and anal function and stuff. So she tests all that. That's all good. So even if she ends up having to lose the tail. That was the first draft, by the way, of that song by R.E.M. Yeah. (laughs) Losing anal function. Losing anal function. function. I mean, it works, guys. Uh, Mike, Mike. Mike, cat's in the corner. Can we just... 
Can we just do a rewrite? We, do, of lyrics? Just a rewrite we of love the rest we of We love the melody, yeah. the words. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first draft. No. Michael won't shut up about that fucking cat. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you believe they put a cat on the. Again, Michael. <laughs> Michael. Um, uh, so, um, uh, so she says it's going to take 20 minutes for the x-rays. Um, Everybody <laughs> purrs. <laughs> Everybody meows. <laughs> Again, Michael, we love it. <laughs> just one little Just tweet. less cat. Let's, <laughs> let's less cat references. How about instead of it's the end of my cat as we know it, <laughs> we just... You're almost there. Okay. Um, so um, uh, she says it's going to be about 20 minutes for the x-ray. So we decide we'll go and try to find the main bit of Kings- Kensington. Um, so we're far enough off like the main road that we have to go over railway tracks and like fight to, until we find a place. But we find this nice little, you know, um, a bar where we can sit for half an hour and um, – and then we go back. But the whole time, you know, like, like so by this stage, like, yeah, the vet was quite reassuring. So it's like, yeah, okay, worst case scenario, you know, we can live with that, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I can't, like, I'm not, I'm not even getting involved in any slightly positive thought at this right. stage. I'm setting my expectations at worst case possible scenario. Right. And then if anything better than that happens, like, so we get back and we go in and she's like, uh, yeah, good news. Um, absolutely nothing wrong wow. uh, with the tail. That kink at the end's just that natural kink that she has in the end of her tail. Oh, okay, and because um, she she already had a kink, but it did look it looked worse. Like, right, but that could be the heightened. Uh, yeah, whatever, and everything yeah, like that. Whatever it was, what but, a relief. But yeah, no, no damage. Um, they gave her some medicine, but she hasn't even really been. And you're like, I dropped that valve for nothing, man. Let's go party. It's like, I Valium works when you're in a high-stress situation. I will say that. I get it now because I've never taken it when I actually needed it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole different effect, it turns out. <laughs> like, you should use this as medicine. And, and then the other thing was, never be more grateful to give someone $450 to be told that nothing was wrong. Yeah. Like, I was just like... Absolutely happy to hand over. I would give you $900 if the answer had been that nothing was wrong with the cat. I mean, that was the thing with Junior. Because not just with the cat, but for the future of my relationship and everything. Like, I was like, I knew, like, yeah, but for the cat mostly. But when when Junior, when when we had to take him to the hospital, when I felt like it was me dosing him with an extra Medicam or the the, the food poisoning, it was the same thing. And I was like, what is my guilt worth to me? (laughs) Like, how much am I willing to assuage? No yeah. price. Well, four fifty without thinking. Yeah, exactly. Four fifty. That's that's a starting price. Four fifty and skipping out of that vet surgery <laughs> yeah. with my perfectly fine cat. I'll take your shame and raise you four fifty. <laughs> that's me in the corner. <laughs> I sang. All right, we should wrap it up. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as I mentioned last week, new pod coming out. I'm doing with Osher Dad Ginsburg. Pod. Dad Pod. Um, it's a play on Dad Bod, as we'll uh, discovered tonight. <laughs> Um, I thought it was coming out t- this week, but clearly it's not. So I assume next week. Uh, you know what you need to do? Eat the, a curry, do some squats. 
What? Eat a curry? Isn't that one of the things that makes a baby come? Ah, oh, hot food. Yeah, hot I think food. that's I think that's an old wife's tale. Doesn't actually work. Well, who knows better about having a baby than an old wife? Mate? <laughs> Don't get to be an old well in the old days. In the old days. Yeah. Uh, so that's coming soon. So keep an eye out for that. There's you can go to my Instagram, my Twitter. There's public. I'm publicising it. Plug in. It'll give you a place to go. I just want to also say with Dad Pod, we want to hear from people. You can be parents. You don't have to be parents, but we just want to hear stories about the way you grew up, parenting techniques that maybe you experienced, maybe parenting techniques that you implemented, or maybe you have some questions about what we've gone through, what it's like being new dads. We just want to hear from you. So you can go to askdadpod at gmail.com. I think one day if you want, um, now that I think about it like that, um, uh, if you would like, I I could come in one day and compare how you two, once you guys have like established established yourself, I could compare how you two, because I already have an insight into how you and Osha are both going to parent. Yeah. Uh, fair to say it's going to be a fair way away from how my dad parents. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon that would be a really Comparison. fun episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys running through what you're doing and then I'll run you through how Graham parented <laughs> in comparison. And like, I love, like I say that meaning like I love my dad and I have a very good relationship with my dad, but like fair to say, not, not, not your sort of modern parent. Oh, I think that's, I mean, I think it's the same for both Osh and I, and that's kind of part of what we want to talk about in the podcast is like, how do you do this thing that we only have one example, like one direct example. And it's not like I, you know, my mum and dad raised me fine as well, but there's certain things that you want to do differently. But the challenge will be whether or not you go, oh, that's why my parents did that because that's how you have to treat a child or whether you can actually do it differently. (sighs) That's why my dad went to work all day and ignored me. (laughs) Uh, we got anything else to plug? No. Do you have any stand-up or no? Uh, uh, Philosophy, my other podcast, um, oh, yeah. is coming out weekly at, at the moment and has done all year, in fact. And um, so, if you want to check out some episodes, the New York that, Times reviewed Philosophy. Um, this, uh, this week's episode was uh, Jan Fran, um, who uh, people might know from her videos she used to do with the feed. I didn't really know Jan very well, but I was an admire, admirer of her work and her what she talks about um, living. Um, uh, you know, as part of the community when the Cronulla riot was going Ah. on and what that meant for a young woman sort of growing up and trying to establish, you know, identity and a place in Australia and what did that all mean to her. I found the way she spoke about it was incredibly insightful. Ronnie Chang's on this week. uh, Caught up with Ronnie when he was back in the country a couple of months ago, and so that will be the latest one that goes up this week. You can also go to YouTube, go to Tofop TV. You can see clips from our recorded shows. You can see Q and A's. You can see our web series, Lessons for Life. Give that a click. Get the numbers up on that because uh, the more you guys click on our YouTube videos, the more chance we have to monetize it. That's what I've worked out. YouTube, if we get 4,000 interactions a month, we can start running ads. So if you haven't gone... Just go and click. If you haven't got... Yeah, just if go you can, and click. Particularly if you're a non-Patreon person, if you can't afford to support this podcast in you know, like a monetary way, a way that you can support yeah. the podcast is go and have a look at the videos. And Open all the videos, share and just, those just play once, send click them to your friends, click them, click them, click them, because uh, the more likes, shares, and subscribes we get, the easier it is for us to attract advertisers. Um, all right, that's it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.